Welcome everyone to the Domestic Supply Chain Summit. I'm excited to be with you all today and even more excited because it's been a crazy year for the retail supply chain. We've covered it in point of sale. We've covered it, of course, in all of our freight waves now and news outlets as well. And I figured, why not take a look back at the previous year and, of course, figure out what we should expect for 2023, especially in an interesting e-commerce environment where there might be a little bit less spending than we've seen in the past couple of years throughout COVID and last year in particular. And as funny as it goes, right about this time last year, I got to speak with the wonderful John Gold, who is the uh, Vice President of Supply Chain and Customs over at the National Retail Federation. And I'm happy to welcome you here again, John. Thank you so much for joining us for a nice little recap of, of what we've seen this past year. Thanks, Grace. Good to see you. Looking forward to having a discussion today. Of course. And here's the best part. We're going to look at some of the things that you were predicting for 2022, kind of a, a recap of what your thoughts were and see exactly how it turned out. And I will say it's uh, been a pretty crazy year. But last year when we chatted, uh, there's a couple of areas that we mostly focused on. One, better visibility of global shipments. Two, reshoring and retailers, of course, bringing their uh, supply chains in-house uh, through various M&A actions and uh, just focusing on logistics uh, from in their own uh, four walls as well. So of those three different predictions in those three areas, reshoring, visibility, and uh, in-house logistics, what do you think worked out for retailers and merchants in 2022? And uh, what possibly, uh, from your perspective, did or did not improve in those areas? Look, I think coming into, into this year and I think even going into next year, there's still there was so much unpredictability about what was happening in the economy and on the global scale that I think folks are still trying to figure out kind of what's next in the supply chain. I think one of the big lessons learned coming out of COVID was the need for get to get better visibility throughout the system, both internally and externally. So I think a lot of retailers have spent a lot of time, money and effort trying to create better visibility throughout the system, again, internally and externally with their partners. Um We've always talked about the need for, for better uh, forecasting. You know, that certainly has been a challenge throughout this year. As you've seen, you know, consumer spending ramped up significantly throughout the pandemic. You saw a trillion-dollar swing in consumer spending from, you know, goods, from services to goods. And then you saw a quick change back. Like we saw earlier this year, you saw some of the, the inventory issues that we saw early in the year with some, some retailers getting stuck because of that. So I think looking at better visibility, better understanding, I think, as we look at better risk mitigation and better supply chain diversification, that continues as well. You know, everybody talked about the need to bring everything back here, make it here in the United States. And I think as we've talked about previously, it's not that simple. It's difficult to do that and do that, you know, at a, at a quick pace that you need. I think there's going to be a continued focus, as there has been, on things like the U.S.-China trade relationship and just U.S.-China relations in general. And what does that mean for retailers and sourcing in the region? Um, you know, that started under the, the previous administration with the trade war and it's continued through COVID and everything else now and the ongoing challenges that we face on a variety of issues. So I think those are the kind of the key areas that we've spent a lot of time on this year that I think retailers are really going to continue to focus in on and trying to figure out what were the lessons learned? How do we get a better handle on what's happening in our supply chain at any point in time? And how do we pivot when we need to when the next episode occurs? Because I think as, you know, we all recognize Something else is going to happen. You know, something always happens in the supply chain. There's always some kind of disruption, whether man-made or something else. 
something happens and you need to be able to respond quickly. The issue we've seen over the past couple of years is you just had this ongoing slew of events that kept happening time after time after time that you just couldn't prepare for. So, you know, again, how do we use the time now to really get ready for whatever's coming next? I completely agree. It's funny too. When we talk about visibility, I think sometimes people look at that as like, well, when is my shipment going to be here? But visibility is more about being able to collect that data to make the decisions on reshoring or to make the decision of bringing in that your logistics in-house, right? So visibility, I think about a a year ago, or not even this past year, but two years ago was big because it was just getting our, our hands on that data. Now we have that data and we're looking at a lot of our visibility partners like, well, what are you going to do to help us um, make these decisions, right? And uh, you're right. We're always going to have problems. I think that's, um, it's funny because as mainstream media picks it up, it's always, you know, a, a supply chain issues. But well, we've always had supply chain issues. <laughs> they're just visible now and they're, they're uh, affecting the economy more so than people have noticed. So I completely agree with you. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how, those visibility partners start to offer some very valuable services now that they've collected all this data. Um, and, and you mentioned something as well, I think is interesting, right? A lot of these problems that we keep on uh, finding, well, we just uh, avoided this rail strike, correct? And uh, we still have uh, negotiations at ports. Part of the reasons why the East Coast is seeing so much uh, more action is because a lot of retailers are being smart and considering the fact that the West Coast has a lot of labor issues itself. Uh, how do you see that playing out next year? And uh, with so many different factors, you look at even how the federal government is looking at uh, gig workers, right? Uh, do you think that next year labor is going to become a, a bigger problem and something that retailers need to be watching a little bit more closely? It's certainly going to be a challenge. And I think, look, you, you highlighted the fact that you know so many retailers took action early on to shift cargo. I mean, you've seen recent headlines saying there's no congestion in, in LA Long Beach. Well, why is that? because of the risk mitigation factors that a lot of retailers and others took to shift cargo early on to the East Coast and Gulf Coast. And you've seen record numbers at those ports for the volumes that have come in causing congestion at those ports. You know, we're working through those issues. And there's a lot of talk about, well, you know, import volumes are down now. They're down now because that's the normal cycle. I mean, because again, everybody brought their, their holiday merchandise in earlier than they normally would to avoid ongoing issues. We knew about the, the labor negotiations at the West Coast, the fact that they have been working without a contract since July 1, and folks want to make sure that they're able to get their, their cargo. And we've gone through this. I mean, I've been working this 20 years. And, you know, I've seen the past. We've had situations. You've had disruptions that have occurred. Um, and folks wanted to avoid that. Unclear when that's going to shift back to the West Coast, again, until we get a, a long-term contract in place. And there's folks feel comfortable that we're not going to see disruptions. But as you noted, you've also got some of the business environment issues as well, whether it's the you know AB5 issues on independent contractors, you've got new sustainability requirements, the clean truck requirements, requirements on warehousing. I mean, that all plays into the decisions that retailers are making as far as how where their supply chains are going to run through. So I think that is all very important and folks are paying very close attention to how that happens, not just in California that, again, has the AB5 issue that's going to impact not just the gig workers, but, you know, independent uh, drage drivers, the truck drivers. Um, but we've got that on the federal level, too, with the DOL's independent contra- contractor rule. So there are some potentially significant challenges coming down the pike for the labor workforce as a whole when we can't, you know, we're still having trouble finding people to work. 
So this is going to you know, potentially disqualify folks or force folks out of the, the, the work environment as well. Yeah, it was a big topic that we covered at F3. Uh, it's uh, bigger, uh, really, I, I think F3 opened my eyes to more of uh, more so of the, the labor issues that we're going to be, uh, that we need to prepare for in order to avoid a lot of these hiccups we're seeing in the supply chain. Um, and I appreciate your your uh, input on that as well. Uh, of all the points, too, that we pointed out from uh, 2022, uh, of those areas, uh, what do you think is the most important uh, for retailers, merchants to prioritize over others going into 2023? Um, what areas in terms of like visibility, maybe maybe even considering bringing the, their own logistics in-house or maybe some M&A action to better uh, make a more resilient supply chain? What have you been telling um, retailers in regards to what to keep a, their eye focused on? Yeah, and I think I think resiliency really is kind of the key point that everybody is really focusing in on understanding all the ongoing challenges that we face and the ongoing uncertainty. I mean, look, we still have COVID issues in China. You still have lockdowns that are occurring that are impacting the, the workforce there. But there's so many other issues that are impacting the retail supply chain beyond that. I mean, you look at now enforcement on things like forced labor and ensuring you have a clean supply chain all the way back to where the raw materials come from. And trying to get that visibility, which has not been easy to do, when you don't have that control, you know, beyond tier three of your suppliers to go back to where the cotton is grown is extremely difficult. So I think, you know, the big part for not just for retailers, but for for everybody in the supply chain is kind of that that know your supply chain, understand every segment along the way and try and get that visibility. I know it's extremely difficult. You know, there's a lot of talk about different technologies that can do that. I don't think there's a silver bullet out there that can address all these different issues, but testing out certain things to look and get that visibility, I think is incredibly important. And finding the right partners that are willing to work with you on those issues as well and understanding that is incredibly important. And again, that helps provide better resiliency in the system whenever the next episode happens that you could pivot when you need to and make that change in your plans to make sure you're getting the the merchandise on time and you can get it to your customer in a timely manner. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Well, of course, one uh, one wonderful piece of retail is e-commerce, right? And we've seen that explosion throughout COVID where we couldn't uh, go to our favorite stores. And so we were all driven to online sales. Um, and that's I really love reporting on it through point of sale, right? There's so many different fun areas that have emerged from that. You'll get retail, I mean, even retail media sites, right? Different marketing plans that they have uh, to keep customers coming in. And we've seen a lot of tech companies that are focused around e-commerce sales that have unfortunately had to lay people off stating the fact that, of course, how could we consider e-commerce to keep growing at the rate that it did during COVID when we it was our only choice of where to, to, to buy our favorite retail goods? Uh, what kind of predictions could you make for 2023 in regards to e-commerce market and more importantly, its growth? And uh, in, in for those retailers who have 
especially small merchants, right, who have who relied on companies like Etsy, eBay, uh, Amazon to to grow their own businesses, right? Uh, what advice would you give them going into this new year of, of making sure that they're continuing to grow their business in a environment, economic environment where people aren't looking to spend and maybe not even online as much as they have in the past? Yeah, I think, you know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, you know, during the pandemic, when everybody was forced to kind of stay home and businesses were shut down, obviously uh, you saw that huge jump up in in online spending um, for a variety of reasons. Once things started to open up again, though, you saw that e-commerce spend drop back down to about where it's been, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, roughly 20% of, of full retail sales. And I think that's what we're expecting to happen over the next, you know, the next year or so. Um, but, you know, as you noted, there are a lot of headwinds against the consumer right now. Um, you know, consumers continue to be concerned about inflation and the impact that's going to have. You know, hopefully, as many predict, we'll have a soft landing, won't be impacted too much by by inflation, but it's an ongoing concern. So I think the way we're looking at e-commerce, you know, I think the question is, how do you count an e-commerce sale these days? Um, with some of the inventions that were done throughout the pandemic, when you have curbside pickup and buy online pickup in store, does that count as an e-commerce sale or does that count as a an, you know in-store sale because they're coming into the store to pick up the merchandise? So I think there's a question of how are you, uh, you know, each, each retailer might count that differently. And there's no standardization as far as how those sales are counted. Um, even by the government as well, there are some challenges on how, you know, retail e-commerce sales are, are counted. So I think that's probably, you know, one of the things that we're continuing to look at is that definition of what is an e-com sale and how does that go forwards? But I think... Look, e-com is an important part of the retail culture. You know, I think the the growth as we've seen throughout the pandemic and the ease we've seen for folks to to shop certainly has. Uh, you've seen that growth continue, and I think many folks look at e-com and multi-channel um, as an important part of of retail these days. Um, you know, folks want to be able to shop however or whenever they want to, whether that's going to a store, doing it on a computer, on their phone, or you know whatever. So it is an important part of the mix, and I think it proved for a lot of smaller retailers the importance of that too, especially throughout the pandemic, that it is important for them to get to the consumer and get to the markets. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to be able to sell. It's the other thing, part, part of it is to deliver. And that certainly has been a challenge as well is on the delivery side of it and make sure you've got the right network in place uh, to make sure the consumer gets it when when they want it. I mean, the, you know, next day has certainly been, been a challenge, but folks are working their way through it. I think, again, here's where partnering with the right companies to write providers is an important part of that mix as well. Well, to wrap this up, I think I want, to, I want to stick to that. We, I think a lot of retailers this year had a hard time predicting their inventory. And that's, you see now just with cost reductions or price reductions on shelves ever since, honestly, probably August, right? Uh, even more so slash for Black Friday and holiday sales. Uh, if you could give advice to retailers on how to better predict their inventory for 2023, uh, what would you tell them? Uh, if I had a crystal ball on how to do forecasting, um, I mean, look, forecasting has always been a challenge, even prior to the pandemic, but I think it it just further shows the challenge you have on understanding your consumer. And I think the best part of this, or, you know, the best advice is is really get to know your consumer. Use whatever tools necessary to understand what their buying patterns are and kind of where they expect to be. I think that's the most important thing for trying to get better forecasting. Again, that trillion-dollar swing we saw from services to goods and then swing right back again as things opened up, I don't think anybody predicted 
it to happen as quickly as it did. And that's one of the reasons why you saw the inventory issues that a retailers, a lot of retailers had earlier on this year. Um, you know, the expectation that folks were still going to be be working from home and they didn't. And they went back and traveling and entertainment and everything else. So the spending and, and the need for what the consumer wanted was different too. When you went back from moving from you know athleisure wear back to to business wear um, was was a big change. Um, you know, never needed the barbecue grills again because they bought them all last year. So it's it's getting an understanding of, of, of your consumer. So I think you know the advice there is is again try and find the partners that can really help you learn your your customers' buying patterns and better help you to forecast what's coming next. I love that. And I love having you on at the, to wrap up every year because we get a great idea of what to really focus on for 2023. Thank you so much, John, for joining us again today. It's been a pleasure. Great. Thanks, Grace. Good seeing you. Thank you. And for everyone else, enjoy the rest of the summit today.